This episode of Internet Today is brought to you by Emmy Ramen and by Honey. Festival season is still in full swing across the country and around the world after two years of industry slowdowns as a result of the pandemic. And there are so many music festivals available to fans that it's kind of overwhelming. If you consider just how many big artists are attached to these regional festivals, it's hard to argue that there's been a better time to enjoy live music because you can see a year's worth of acts over the course of just one weekend. There's festivals of all size, scope, and genre. If you live in the United States, chances are there's a large festival that's within driving distance of wherever you live. But typically, there are some rules involved with attending one of these festivals. Some are frustrating and seemingly stupid, like cannabis being banned even within states where it's legal recreationally. Oh no, how will I ever cope with there being literally no cannabis at this music festival? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Just follow the clouds. Yeah. So, yeah, some rules make sense, like how you can't bring weapons, specifically firearms, into large music festivals. Uh, nothing could ruin the vibes quicker than the realization that everyone around you is armed and that chaos could break out at any moment, leading to potentially hundreds of good guys with guns firing at each other like it's the Old West. How are you going to figure out which one is the best guy with the gun when everyone's shooting at each other? Uh, because they all standing. assume. Yeah. Last man standing is the good guy with the gun. And they give them a prize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you throw alcohol, drugs, heat, potential sleep deprivation, the sometimes too close for comfort nature of large crowds. You mix that all together and you've got all the potential for a horrific tragedy. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the artists performing on stage and how they would feel knowing that anyone in that sea of people could have a gun on them. So, yes. It seems like a no-brainer that guns would be banned from most, if not all, large festivals. And yeah, it goes without saying that just because guns are ban banned doesn't mean that things can't or haven't happened. But at least with the rules in place, security has a better chance of catching something being snuck in. Which is at least better than if they were forced to just allow guns on the premises. Which is exactly what was going to happen at an upcoming festival in Atlanta, Georgia called Midtown Music, that has now been canceled just weeks before it was set to begin. And this was a huge festival with tens of millions of dollars in the line and millions more that would have been brought into the downtown Atlanta economy from locals and tourists across the festival's weekend. Headliners like My Chemical Romance, Future, Jack White, Fall Out Boy, Phoebe Bridgers, Phoenix, and more were all scheduled to perform. But all that changed this week when it appears as though Live Nation failed to come to an agreement with the state over a Georgia law that entitles citizens the right to be armed on publicly owned land. Yeah, so basically the fest said, obviously we're not going to allow firearms at our festival. And the state of Georgia was like, oh, we're sorry, but if someone wants to bring a gun into your festival, well, tough shit, that's their right. Because the festival grounds are on public land, and they can sue you if you don't let them in. Hoorah! Now, uh, here's Billboard with more on this law and the effect that it has had on these types of events in the state of Georgia. While owner Live Nation didn't provide any additional details for the cancellation, pro-gun rights groups had been emailing and posting comments on the festival's social media page for several months, hinting at potential legal challenges from gun groups following a 2019 ruling that expanded a 2014 Georgia law that critics had dubbed the Guns Everywhere Law. Oops, all guns. Yeah. That law, officially known as the Safe Carry Protection Act, expanded Georgia's already permissive gun statutes to grant residents the right to pack heat in bars, churches, schools, and other private businesses with the owner's permission. It also expanded gun carry rights on publicly owned land, like the city-owned Piedmont Park, although there was no legal consensus on whether or not the law applied to private events on city property, 
like Midtown Music. That changed in 2019 when the Georgia Supreme Court set new rules on what types of businesses could and couldn't bar guns on publicly owned land. Yeah, so they updated it uh, just in time for the pandemic, and uh, there hadn't been uh, anyone to test this out on because, uh, well, there was a pandemic not holding big music festivals. So as soon as they're back, all of the pro-gun people were like, hey, wait a second, I bet they won't let me bring my guns in. We'll see who knows the law and who doesn't. You know, even in the Old West, like in venues, they would make you check your guns at the door. Yes. Even in the fucking Old West, the idea of everyone just being armed and in a big room together having a raucous good time was like, no, why would we fucking do that? That'd be stupid. Yeah, a good example, although not historically accurate, but something that everyone's seen would be Back to the Future 3, where even Mad Dog Tannen tries to go to the local... Local uh, little, I guess they were dedicating like the actual uh, clock for the clock tower or something. And they're like, no, if you're coming to this event. Not getting in there with that iron. Give me all of your weapons and we will hold them until you're ready to go. But no, it's 2022 and uh, nothing makes sense. In fact, everything is bad on purpose. Uh, The reporting continues. While the 2019 ruling by the Georgia Supreme Court made it more difficult for private companies to deny licensed and armed citizens access to events on publicly owned land, it did not give the city of Atlanta the authority to enforce this decision or force the festival to allow guns into the event. Instead, the law created a pathway for gun-carrying individuals who had also purchased tickets to the festival to successfully sue event organizers if they were denied entry to an event taking place on public property. Which, so, okay, we're just not going to do it then. Yeah, exactly. That, that is precisely what would have happened according to guns rights groups and the plethora of posts from people who were um, willing to buy tickets and show up armed with the sole intention of being turned away so that they could file lawsuits. Uh, Why do these gun owners hate music so much? That's the thing is it's like, imagine how many weekends you ruined for everyone else yeah. just being like, I bet, the, I bet this stupid festival with Jack White headlining wouldn't let me in with my gun. In fact, it says so right here on their website. Although, if they had read the rules here in Georgia, they would know that uh, my rights... And and any like sizable music festival is generally going to be on some sort of public land. So yeah, kind of how it works. Music festivals in Georgia are done. You win. Yeah, they go They go on to say that uh, they're going to keep doing this, the guns rights group. Uh, yeah, so, I uh, guess music uh, in Georgia, sorry, not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the article adds that Additionally, local authorities are typically involved in security for large-scale events and likely would not have been able to enforce an illegal gun ban. So the festival would have had little to no backup to keep firearms out. Canceling the 2022 festival gives Live Nation an additional year to weigh its options and potentially move the event to privately held land or to lobby the state legislature to update the law when it's back in session. Gun rights groups are also refining their own strategies for expanding gun carry rights into concerts and festivals and have begun identifying other Georgia events and venues on public land to test the boundaries of Georgia's gun laws. These fucking assholes. I know. (laughs) This is such a, like, asshole thing to do. Wow. Like, no no intention. I don't even know what the, like, good intention would have been here. But specifically being like, you know what? I'm going to ruin this for everyone. Yeah. God, this is so fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. yeah. Good luck to all the music lovers in and around Georgia, because uh, these groups are not going to stop. The the gun groups, not the music groups. They are stopping. Yeah. Uh, the, the gun people, they're not going to stop until they've ruined one of the last remaining bits of fun left for the next generation. All we had was music festivals. Yeah. Everything else has been ruined. Yeah. 
though this does fall in line with what appears to be the new American dream. Miserable people making life miserable for everybody else. Yeah, it follows I, a pattern that has been rolling out for quite a while now. If my American dream has turned into a nightmare, your American dream has turned into a nightmare. You know what doesn't affect me, the average Georgia gun owner? A music festival happening in Atlanta where typical Georgia people who have guns probably don't even want to go to Atlanta. Yeah. I don't think a land of sin and excess. I don't think too many gun-toting cowboys are into the uh, French indie rock band Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. It's just like, hmm, how can I ruin this for people that would have fun? Yeah. But <sighs> speaking of miserable people with guns, what if I told you a bad guy with a gun inadvertently became a good guy with a gun? How the turntables. Mm -hmm. A man in Texas recently shot someone in the neck only for the bullet to exit the victim's body and somehow ricochet back and kill the man who fired the shot. Yeah, there you go. He did it. Yeah, he clearly stopped his own shooting by shooting the shooter. It's uh, the last domino to fall. And if he hadn't had the gun, this wouldn't happen. <laughs> yes, there you go. So, I guess checkmate lives. <laughs> uh, here's CBS News with more. A man who allegedly shot a woman in the neck was killed this weekend when the bullet also hit him. <laughs> Dallas police said. <laughs> Dallas police I feel bad for the woman, but I am laughing at how absurd I mean, this is. It, it, it sounds like. She survived, by the yeah, way. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, Dallas police officers responded late Saturday morning to reports of a shooting at a residence in the city. Officers found a large amount of blood and a blood trail, but the apartment was empty, according to a news release. During that time, police also received a call from a nearby hospital complex that a man and woman with apparent gunshot wounds had been found in a vehicle outside. The man died in the hospital, but the woman survived and has since been released, police said. So, yeah. Um, look. Maybe he shouldn't have shot someone, and he wouldn't have risked getting shot by his own bullet. If he hadn't shot, then he'd still be on the loose. So <laughs> Still on the loose. Yeah. Anyways, another news from the start of this week. It looks like Indonesia is essentially just banning online gaming and other services after companies like Steam, Epic Games, and PayPal have failed to comply with the country's restrictive content moderation laws. Now, here's more on this from The Verge. In line with the rules, companies deemed private electronic system providers must register with the government's database to operate in the country or otherwise face a nationwide ban. Indonesia gave companies until July 27th to comply and has since banned those that haven't. The requirement is part of an overarching law called MR5, which was first introduced in 2020. As noted by Reuters, the laws give the Indonesian government the ability to obtain data about specific users, as well as coerce companies into removing content that, quote, disturbs public order or is considered illegal. Platforms have four hours to take action on urgent removal requests or 24 hours in the case of any other content. The reporting continues. A 2021 report from the digital rights group Electronic Frontier Foundation, EFF, calls Indonesia's laws invasive of human rights as it puts platforms at the mercy of the Indonesian government, which will ban them if not in compliance with local laws. Earlier this month, the EFF penned a letter to the Indonesian Ministry of Communication and Information, Cominfo, urging the government to repeal its invasive content moderation rules. The ban has left users in Indonesia stuck without the ability to process payments or even play certain games. As pointed out by Daniel Ahmad, a senior analyst at Nico Partners, some other popular games and services affected by the ban include Origin, Dota 2, and Counter-Strike. They targeted gamers. They did. Anyways, we do have more news for you in a second, including an update to a story that we've previously covered. But first, let's take a quick second to thank today's sponsors, starting with Emmy Ramen. Are you looking for something delicious, convenient to prepare, and easily customizable with your own toppings? 
How about something that takes your standard ramen experience and turns it on its head with amazing flavor that is also low-carb, high-protein, and 100% plant-based, also good for your digestive health? Well, look no further than Emmy Ramen, which is super easy to prepare in either the microwave or on the stovetop, and it's ready to eat in about seven minutes. It also features delicious plant-based flavors like spicy beef, tom yum shrimp, and black garlic chicken. Again, those are all plant-based flavors. Emmy Ramen has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Food 52, and the Food Network. It's 85% lower in net carbs than other instant ramen brands, and also contains three times more protein and four times more fiber. And you need more fiber. Mm -hmm. We love a simple, easy-to-make meal, and we've all had those ramen days in our lives. But with Emmy Ramen, you're not sacrificing on quality. Emmy is also proud to offer a 100% happiness guarantee, so you can try Emmy risk-free and decide for yourself if Emmy is worth it. If you're not happy with your Emmy, they will offer you a full refund within 30 days of purchase. Right now, they're offering our viewers $5 off your first order by using our link. So click the link below and use code TODAYDAILY at checkout or go to immieats.com slash todaydaily for $5 off your order. That is immieats.com slash todaydaily or just click the link down below and use code TODAYDAILY for $5 off a variety pack today. This episode is also sponsored by Honey. Honey is the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. We all shop online. We've all seen that promo code field taunting us at checkout. But thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one that it finds to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online, ranging from sites that have tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. Here's how it works. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. You wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons it can find for that site. And if Honey finds a working coupon, you will watch those prices drop. We both have experience saving money with Honey. Yeah. Of course, we got the 12% off your beautiful monocular. Yes. Uh, in addition to that, you get Honey Gold. Uh, Honey doesn't just work on desktop, it works on your iPhone too. Just activate it in Safari on your phone and save on the go. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. We would never recommend something we don't use, so get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash itdaily. That is joinhoney.com slash itdaily. All right, back into the news now with an update to a story that we recently covered regarding this horrifically beautiful piece of art created by a teenager in Ulster County, New York for a local contest aimed at finding a new design for the classic I Voted sticker. The contest was set up in anticipation for this year's midterm elections, but also came at a time where voters across the country feel increasingly hopeless about the entire process, thanks to a lack of meaningful gun control legislation, rampant inflation, predatory student loans, and of course, the recent Supreme Court ruling in regards to abortion rights and privacy. So uh, when this 14-year-old's joke submission went viral after appearing in the local contest, People embraced it as a pretty clear visual representation of what it feels like to participate in a modern election cycle. Yeah, it's uh, it'll jokerify you. It or definitely you, will. Or spiderify you. <laughs> so yeah, the creature, which is a, I guess a half human, half spider hybrid, who clearly just voted. Mm -hmm. uh, they got multiple legs, bloodshot eyes, a chaotic smile filled with technicolor teeth and frizzy, unkempt hair. If 2022 had a look. It would be this, and it looks as stressed as the rest of us. So naturally, the internet embraced this image and it surged in popularity. But does that mean it really even stood a chance in this very real, very serious contest? 
Surely this abomination would not be handed out to everyone at, a, at local polling places <laughs> in this small county in New York State, right? That, uh, come on. Especially to people who probably uh, cool have, drawing, no, have no idea that this is yeah. even happening. Like, do not participate in online discourse at all. All right, everybody. Yep. Well, yeah, Bodie McBoat face. Yeah, we uh, we all had fun, right? But uh, It would just be so funny, though. Like, just imagine some boomer showing up and, like, voting, and then they hand him the sticker. What? What? Is this Brandon's idea? Uh, but uh, actually, as it happens, good news, everyone. The I voted Spider-Man guy has... Can't say Spider-Man, it's copyright. The, the I voted Spider-Person has won the online poll and will be handed out to local voters this November, whether they like it or not. <laughs> you have to take this. Whether they know what's happening or not. Yeah. And, you know, based on how midterm elections usually go, it will mostly be older people yeah. with no frame of reference for this. Yeah, overwhelmingly, people who have no idea what's going on, although... It would be really something if the youth vote turned out specifically to vote just so they could get this sticker that yeah, is popular it's, online. It's exclusive. It's uh, it's dropping on one day only. This is like a Supreme shirt or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, they should do that more often with this voting stuff. It's You get a limited release, like a, yeah. like a limited edition lapel pin I've gotten the same I voted sticker like dozens of times at this point. There's not, it's not. Nothing unique about it. It's not exciting anymore. Uh -huh. I want, they, they, they need limited edition. I voted stickers. Yes, I think that would be a great way to get people out. And yeah, I mean, how would the go the local government have even turned down the results of this poll yeah. in the first place if they had overturned the results and given the honor to some other less abrasive design? Uh, that would only further damage the public's perception of <laughs> our democratic institutions. Like, wow, even in this online poll, someone's, uh, you know, the powers that be are... are Tipping the scales. I just love that this had no chance to actually lose because yeah. it would look so bad. They'd be like, well, now we're just reinforcing this reaction. We want people to vote and feel that their vote is being counted. So we can't nullify the election, the results of this vote over here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's actually brilliant in its subtlety. Anyway, here's NPR with more on this big win. Hudson Rowan never really considered himself an artist, but now he's seriously reconsidering that after the attention he's received this month. The 14-year-old's breakthrough piece, quote, it's got crazy bulging eyes, mangled looking hair, looking off into the distance, some crazy like spider robot legs shooting out of the sides, he says. It kind of gives a chaotic vibe. Ashley Dittis, the commissioner of the Ulster County Board of Elections, was floored. I will never forget when I saw it, she said. I instantly smiled and I had to show it to other people. I just couldn't keep it to myself. Dittis said after Rowan's design became a finalist, it went viral on social media. And he has the votes on the county website to show it. The county only has 180,000 residents and 125,000 voters. But Rowan's submission has received more than 225,000 votes. Wow. That's 94% of the total. Hmm, those numbers, uh, I don't know about this. Uh, did Brandon come in and... Uh... Oof. That's Where the thing. A bunch of dead people voted in this uh, this election sticker. From the grave. Yeah, very interesting. Very this, suspicious. It's uh, the Kennedy clan back at it again. Is this small New York County really going to let people from all over the United States and the world meddle in their elections? Fraudulently, yeah. Uh -huh. hmm. Yeah. 
Anyway, the NPR reporting continues. On Friday, Rowan was officially declared the winner of the contest, so the people of Ulster County can come to collect their prize sticker on the November election day, as well as vote, of course. <laughs> Looking forward, this has great hopes for Rowan's artwork. It certainly has gone beyond the scope of Ulster County, but that's great because the more people that are looking and exploring voting, not just New York State residents, but all over the place, that's how we get democracy to thrive, she said. Dennis has received many calls about the sticker, even people who ask about purchasing merch with Rowan's creature <laughs> on it. It hits a nerve. It makes people on both sides of the aisle feel like, yep, this is what voting is like. <laughs> this is an election official. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I work in elections for a living, and even I know this shit fucking sucks. This is the, the small shred of bright brightness that came into our office in the course of my tenure here. I needed this. Yeah, this is the only thing that's made us happy. I was looking at retirement pretty closely, but this sticker has revitalized my passion for this career. And therefore, the entire county. Uh, this is what participating in our democracy looks like in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Dittis. Yeah. Rowan may not have intended to capture the state of the world in his one I voted sticker design, but he's thrilled it is starting conversations about an institution he considers essential. Everyone needs to vote, Rowan said, and if people would just stop voting, thinking their vote doesn't matter, then yeah, that's bad. Hudson Rowan, artist, philosopher, patriot. Yeah, I love it. He's the Betsy Ross of this generation. And I, I agree. <laughs> and also bringing the both sides together because clearly conservatives and uh, Democrats can both look at this and be like, yeah, yeah, this this th sucks. This spider. Uh, hopefully Andrew Yang doesn't co-opt this spider because his new Freedom Party is all about all about vibes, baby. Oh, platforms, issues. Ah, let's, not, let's not get bobbed down in divisiveness. Like mm -hmm. we're just here because you hate the Democrats and you hate the Republicans and we're not them. As for like platforms, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you feels good. I, I, We're just I, tired of all the bullshit. I do love that they're giving the sticker out on, on election day, but I worry that it's going to turn into some kind of Szechuan sauce situation where a bunch of kids are going to be dabbing on like at polling places. Yeah, I feel like the, the target audience for the, the sticker isn't even allowed to vote. Yeah. They should let this Hudson kid vote just this once. <laughs> You've earned that right yeah. this one time yeah. until you turn 18, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, overall, a good thing. And hopefully it does bring people of voting age out to the polls this November in a time when typically young people do not vote, but they should because midterms in all likelihood are more important than the actual presidential. Election. Uh, yeah, this one. I don't know. Hard I, to say. I'm like, I'm more just like, I have no idea what's going to fucking happen. It's a mystery. Like, I don't need, I'm not, I'm not, the wind is not blowing either way. It could literally, it could be a blowout going either direction. It could stay the same. I have no fucking clue. We're at a weird place in America where the last president was so beloved by a small group of people and so hated by another small group of people and so just like uh, tolerated by everyone else that Joe Biden, the most just like Brandon-esque politician, the, the man who really earned that moniker, uh, managed to slip by with a win. So I don't know. Like people, uh, it, it's like this in a lot of other countries and it's finally like this in America where people just don't like politics in general. And, uh, you know, they're just going on, they're, they're going on vibes. Yeah. And the and vibes in America are just fucked. Like the vibes the, um, are fucked. Countrywide, they are fucked. Who will be the candidate that can bring our vibes together? Andrew Yang. <laughs> Yeah. Not left, not right. Forward. What direction is forward? 
Well, we're not going to get bogged down in the details. We're just going to keep going forward. Have you guys heard about bodegas? <laughs> They're really cool little shops that have cats and cigarettes. Shut up! <laughs> New Yorkers, you're not special. Yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of government sometimes working as expected, the first Capitol rioter to actually go to trial has obviously been found guilty and was uh, now, this week, given the longest prison sentence yet. And this guy, I mean, with a lot of these people, it's like... I don't know. They got but, caught up in the moment or whatever. There's a lot of degrees to like these people. This guy, if he didn't get caught doing this, he probably would have done something else bad later on and he been was successful a at it. Very big instigator and a recruiter for like the local three percenters chapter. Literally threatened to murder his own son, who was the who, one who turned him in. And and went uh, on the record during the trial being like, my dad is nuts. Yeah. He's went crazy. The past five years, he's if completely gone so off the deep far end. off the deep end that your teenage son calls the FBI on you, like, yeah, you probably should be put away for a little while. Yeah, after after the sentencing, his daughters went on like to the press. I, th I think it really paints a bigger picture. Um, to mark my dad as this horrible person and then having him prosecuted like this when somebody is maybe even able to get elected again um, doesn't seem right to me. Um, Trump deserves life in prison if my father's in prison for this long. Damn. So it, it's a pretty significant uh, sentencing. It, it is the longest out of all the Capitol writers, but that's also because this guy was so cocky at the beginning of it that he was like, no, we're taking this to trial and I'm going to yeah. prove that I'm in the right. Well, everyone else, yeah, everyone else is taking the plea because they're like, look. You're not going to win. On paper, the charges you're facing, you're looking at, like, possibly decades in prison. If you just say, yeah, it was me, the guy you have on video, and all this, like, location-based evidence proving that I was there, and you just admit to it, you know, a year in prison, maybe. Yeah, this guy got the longest sentence, and that it would have been longer if they had actually gone for the full domestic terrorism charges, but I think they stopped, like, just short of that. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Guy Reffitt pled not guilty for his involvement in the insurrection and was the first to go in front of a jury where he was found guilty back in March. Now, the sentencing happened on Monday of this week and was the most severe we've seen so far. But so were his crimes and also very much his intentions, all of which were, of course, recorded and broadcast by Reffitt himself during the events of January 6th That's and immediately me. after. That's a deep fake. Just like Joe Brandon. The best part is like he did, he captured himself committing crimes during the insurrection. And then instead of being like, that wasn't me, he actually did like Zoom calls with people admitting that that was him and how cool it was. The, my favorite Capitol Rider was the one who like literally said his own name into the camera. I yeah. can't remember. I can't remember who it was, but he was like, that's right, me, like John Jones here at the Capitol. Can you believe it? Yeah, like preserving <laughs> the information for future generations <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Like someone who happened upon a discovery out in yeah. nature. Yeah, or a UFO. Anyways, uh, here's the New York Times with more. A federal judge on Monday sentenced Guy Wesley Reffitt, the first defendant to go on trial in the Justice Department's sprawling criminal inquiry into the January 6th attack, to more than seven years in prison, the longest sentence to date in a case stemming from the Capitol riot. A jury found Mr. Reffitt guilty on five felony charges in March, including obstructing Congress's certification of the 2020 presidential election, carrying a 40 caliber pistol during the riot, and two counts of civil disorder. Unlike others who breached the building, Mr. Reffitt did not go inside. So, the, I mean, mm. he was armed. Yeah. And instigating I, it. I would assume, like, the steps of the 
Capitol Complex is also a gun-free zone. <laughs> yeah, you would assume. Um, before Monday, the longest sentence in a case related to the attack on the Capitol was just over five years given last year to a man who had pleaded guilty to assaulting an officer with a fire extinguisher. Oh, I remember that guy. Mm -hmm. But because Mr. Reffitt did not plead guilty like hundreds of others arrested in connection with the attack, Judge Friedrich said the sentencing guidelines for his case were two years more than if he had reached a plea deal. Yeah. Well... Uh, NBC News relayed the statements made by Refit in court during the hearing. Uh, in court Monday, Refit described himself as a fucking idiot <laughs> and was not thinking clearly when he tried to storm the U.S. Capitol. I clearly fucked up, Refit said. I did want to definitely make an apology, multiple apologies really, and accept my responsibility because I do hate what I did, he said. But he said he didn't do it. What, is, what? Well, he was already found guilty, so at that point, it's like... Okay, yeah, I did do you it. You got me dead to rights. Uh, All right, anyways, I I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Uh, Refit, who was a member of the Texas Three Percenters, told the judge that he no longer wants to associate with militia groups or any stupid shit like that. Uh, these statements are a far cry from how he acted back in January of 2021. Refit wore a camera on his body that recorded his violent rhetoric during the Trump rally that preceded the riot. Quote, I'm taking the Capitol with everybody fucking else. Guy Reffitt said in his own recording as Tiny Dancer played at Trump's January 6th rally. Quote, we're all going to drag them motherfuckers out kicking and screaming. I don't give a shit. I just want to see Pelosi's head hit every fucking stair on the way out. And Mitch McConnell, too. Fuck them all. It's time to take our country back. I think we have the numbers to make it happen. So, yeah, far cry from what he uh, ended up saying in court. But uh, it would be funny in a video game, though to see Nancy Pelosi or any old lady just like going down the stairs, head hitting every book, step. Book, 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 book. Yeah. Yeah. But she's in Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. Great. Just needlessly uh, antagonizing China for no fucking reason. You're not, you're, you're a congressman. What are you doing? Well, the U.S. has. What is the point of this? Readied naval ships and aircraft. Which I'm sure is really not sitting well with the Chinese government, but no. uh, we'll see how it goes. Anyways, uh, that guy, he also recorded a Zoom meeting on his computer where he talked extensively about his actions on January 6th. So uh, always fun to see such a friendly reminder to not film yourself committing or attempting to commit crimes. Yeah. When shit hits the fan, what do you do? Duck the fuck out. That's right. I don't want to be involved. Hey, this is getting a little out of hand. I think I'd rather just leave the situation than stick around and see what happens. I mean, it is odd that he, he brought the gun. He's all fired up. He's like, we're going to storm that fucking Capitol. We're going to drag him out. And then didn't even make it inside. Pathetic. Well, you know, some people are soldiers. Some people are leaders. He was a leader at this the back uh, sending all talk. <laughs> he's, a, he's a chicken hawk. Yeah. Well. Anyway, let's, let's look at the positive side of humanity for a second. Because while virtual reality is mainly a place where people can converse while dressed up as Sonic the Hedgehog, or a 20-foot-tall waifu, there are people out there using it for more practical purposes, like training for rare and intense surgical procedures before putting someone's life at risk. Recently, two conjoined twins who were joined at the head were successfully separated by doctors who trained for this specific procedure together inside virtual reality from completely different parts of the world. And just so there's no confusion here, the actual surgery was done uh, in person. Yes. They, they trained for it in VR. When I saw the headline, I was like, oh my god. But can you imagine? Yeah. What? <laughs> That is some incredible pain. Yeah. Yeah. Got to have a real good connection. Yeah. Got to be connected to the right servers. Three-year-olds Bernardo and Arthur Lima underwent surgeries in Rio de Janeiro with direction from Great Ormond Street Hospital in London. 
The teams spent months trialing techniques using virtual reality projections of the twins based on CT and MRI scans. It was described by surgeon Noor U. Awasi Jilani as space-age stuff. It was one of the most complex separation processes ever completed, according to the charity which funded it, Gemini Untwined, which Mr. Gilani founded in 2018. He said that for the first time, surgeons in separate countries wore headsets and operated in the same virtual reality room together. The twins had seven surgeries involving more than 27 hours of operating time in the final operation alone and almost 100 medical staff. Now, speaking about the VR aspect of the surgery, Mr. Gilani told the PA news agency, it's just wonderful. It's really great to see the anatomy and do the surgery before you actually put the children at any risk. You can imagine how reassuring that is for the surgeons. In some ways, these operations are considered the hardest of our time. And to do it in virtual reality was just really man on Mars stuff. Damn. And according to the outlet, the twins are recovering well in the hospital and will be supported with six months of rehabilitation. I just, you know, in my mind, the first thing goes to uh, them putting on the headsets for the first time saying, cracking their knuckles. All right, let's start preparing ourselves for a marathon surgery session where the slightest thing could go wrong and potentially kill someone. And then it like they put it on, and it's just surgeon simulator. Yeah. That game where you can barely touch anything without it exploding and going all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're in the middle of surgery, focusing, concentrating, and then like, what the fuck? Is that Knuckles from the Sonic <laughs> the Hedgehog series? He is not the true queen. <laughs> Spit on the doctor. <laughs> Try to do surgery here, Knuckles. Yeah, Leave but like, alone. that's the thing is if you can, if two surgeons can co-op a grueling session of Surgeon Simulator, why they can do anything. Yeah. They can do anything. Anyways, another life-saving tech news. If you thought drones were only for delivering lightweight packages and spying on your neighbors, think again. They're also saving lives. Mm -hmm. Drone lifeguards have been deployed to beaches in Spain and have already rescued potential drowning victims, which is uh, incredible and actually makes perfect sense when you consider how quick and easy it would be to fly a flotation device out to someone while human lifeguards also make their way out to help. Mm -hmm. uh, here's Sky News with more on at least one specific success story. A pioneering drone lifeguard has saved a 14-year-old boy from drowning in the sea in Valencia in Spain. The drone lifeguard service, which has been rolled out across Spanish beaches, dropped a life vest into the sea this month that was able to keep the teenager afloat just as he started to sink, its operators have said. The vest kept the boy afloat until a physical lifeguard team arrived moments later. Quote, When we arrived, what we saw was a kid that was in very bad shape, with almost no energy to keep floating. So I sent over the life vest, Miguel Angel Pedrero, drone pilot for General Drones, the firm that supplied the technology, said. Because of the heavy waves, it was a complicated maneuver, but we finally managed to give him the vest and he could float until lifeguards reached him by jet ski. The company has more than 30 pilots and drones working with lifeguards at 22 beaches across Spain, providing rapid reaction support in the critical moments of a potential drowning before lifeguards can physically reach the scene. Uh, this is great. I love this. Yeah. Tech doing good things. Drones that are armed with life-saving products instead of guns, flamethrowers, and chainsaws. Yes. And it's also, it's just like, it's objectively quicker yeah. than a lifeguard. Uh, a boat? Yeah. Uh, all these things, uh, yeah. It can be out there in seconds. Yeah. And like Mr. Pedrero said, and like any lifeguard would tell you, uh, seconds can be the difference between life and death. With drowning? Yes. Yeah. Especially for even the most able-bodied person. Usually when, you, when you've when you reached the point where you notice that someone is in distress in the water, it is... Far too late. Far, yeah. Things are go have been going south for a while. Yeah. Anyway, it wouldn't be an episode of our show if we somehow missed an opportunity to make fun of Elon Musk. 
I'm only putting this in this episode so that it's not in Tech News Day. It's at the end of the episode. Unless he does or says something else between now and then. Yeah, oh, sure. Anyway, today we don't even have to do the dirty work because Musk's father, Errol, is doing it for us. Mm -hmm. Between, you know, finding his wife slash daughter in the, the laundry machine, he found time to make some comments about yeah. his biological son, who he's not sexually attracted to. <laughs> Definitely not sexually attracted to, based on his quotes. Yes. Errol Musk, the guy who impregnated his stepdaughter twice, a woman that he raised. Uh, he has some harsh words regarding his son, Elon, uh, He did he, while appearing on an Australian radio show recently. Uh, he basically called his son fat and said he wasn't <laughs> proud of him. Uh, all yeah. right. So, yeah, at least we know some of the reason why Elon's so fucked up. He it, And he said that as much before, where he's just like, my dad, my dad sucks. Yeah, no, he hates his dad. I don't. I think they they haven't seen each other in person in over a decade. Like I think they occasionally talk briefly on the phone, but like Elon hates his dad, and I you know for once I agree with Elon. Uh, Sounds like th bad parents. This man probably had a very negative effect on his. Son. He fucked his stepdaughter, who he raised since she was a child. Yeah. Enough times to impregnate her twice, allegedly. Allegedly. And he gave Elon the the Genghis Khan complex. Yeah. Because he, when he had the second child with his child, uh, he's like, you know, we're on Earth to do one thing, procreate. <sighs> anyway, here's TMZ with more on this. Errol Musk jumped on the Kyle and Jackie O radio show in Australia Monday, telling the hosts he's not proud of Elon for creating game-changing technology. He didn't create the technology. Mm -hmm. And becoming a billionaire, saying, you know, we are a family that have been doing a lot of things for a long time. It's not as if we suddenly started doing something. Where's my parade? Uh, Errol, as much as said, his favorite child is Elon's brother, Kimball, who Errol called his pride and joy. Whoa! Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not proud of Elon. Look, we must we, we do a lot of shit, so I'm not proud of him. But, but Kimball! Kimball? Now, that's a good boy. Yeah. That's a good boy. Uh, he shaded Elon after being asked about the photos of his son on vacation in <laughs> Greece, saying, Elon is very strongly built, but he's been eating badly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And urging him to take a weight loss product called Garcinia Cambogia. He also went on to say he has a fleet of cars, but not a single Tesla. It's a weird thing to specifically say. Got a lot of cars. I got triples on the on some of them, but yeah. uh, not a single uh, Tesla. A whole warehouse full of cars. Do you have a Tesla? No. Fuck no. Wow, this guy's such a fucking piece of shit that I almost feel bad for Elon Musk. That's and that's I that's wild. Yeah, it really takes a lot to get me to that point. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you, Errol. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It kind of says a lot about the man that Elon ended up turning into. I mean, yes, a, yes, a it person does. who is constantly searching for validation from anyone. Even oh internet God. strangers. Like, it this is... It uh, explains so much. A, a fucking shrink would have a field day. Daddy did not love little Elon. I mean, it, it really does make me feel bad for him. I mean, he's... A, it's literally his supervillain origin story. Yeah. Damn. Look, a little compassion for Elon this episode. Didn't expect yeah. it coming, Holy but there shit. it is. I'm not, yeah. Said this segment was going to be us making fun of Elon. No, we didn't have to because his dad did. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Anyways... Still a piece of shit, though. Yes, Sorry. absolutely. <laughs> uh... He but recently he did say that he was going to put his head down, stay away from Twitter, and focus on helping the world. Okay, buddy. But uh, I'm I'm not on Twitter frequently, so I haven't seen if he's kept up that promise or not. I don't so. follow him, so I just see it when it gets 
regurgitated. Screenshotted. Yeah. And dunked on. Anyways, that's it for today's episode. If you haven't already, please watch our most recent episodes of Weekly Weird News and News Dump right over here. Facebook is failing, and we're very happy to watch it burn. Also, check out Weekly Weird News right here. Uh, If you are not already, subscribe to the channel, hit the join button, leave a comment, leave a like, do whatever you want, and we'll see you soon for more episodes. Thank you so much. Bye.